Good morning. Welcome back to Chop for Time. I'm back. I'm Devin, and I'm here with Ben, Sean, and Thomas. Uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. Uh, Sean, would you do songs? Yeah. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for just bringing us here. Lord, I just pray that um, as we get into um, this past week's sermon, that you're just with us and you're guiding the conversation, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. And we just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and that like button. That way this will get out to more people and notify you next time we have something online. So we are looking today at the book of Hebrews. Excited that you've been in this process, breaking this difficult book down. And we're so excited about, you know, just that Jesus is greater. And I think yesterday's uh, message really kind of pointed out. If you could uh, give our viewers a recap. Absolutely. We talked about he is above so we get into this portion um, of chapter one to where all of a sudden we're talking about angels and it's it's one of those passages for me it's easy to kind of check out and just kind of gloss over as i'm reading uh, because it's it's about angels and while they're fascinating um, it's okay get to something else here just kind of mind wonder but what we see is it's about angels, but it's not really about angels mm. because we start seeing these questions that the author of Hebrews starts to pose to the people who are reading this letter is like, who, you know, when did God ever say to the angels that you are my son? When did God ever say to the angels, come set at my right hand? When did God ever say to the angels, uh, I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And all of these, the, the writers going back, whoever the author is, has a great knowledge, working knowledge of the Old Covenant mm-hmm. in the Old Testament because he's pulling from Deuteronomy, he's pulling from Psalms here, and he's just asking these questions of like, when, you know, have have angels ever done any of these things? Because we're dealing with people who are, trending towards falling away from their faith of, of abandoning the, easy for me to say right abandoning their faith in jesus christ and going back to the traditional judaistic ways right and beliefs so he's like okay angels are a big deal to you when have the angels ever done this yeah they're ministering spirits sent to us to help us for those of us have been called to salvation but when have they ever done these things And he's really at the core. Not only is he establishing that Jesus is above the angels, he's also challenging what they find their comfort in, Mm -hmm. what what they're falling back on, because that's what we do, right? Is like whenever we're challenged, whenever we're threatened, whenever we're uncomfortable, we want to find those things that we know bring us comfort. Mm -hmm. So that's where we spent most of the time yesterday is really challenging these areas in our lives that bring us comfort. We went back to, to Numbers chapter uh, 11, verses 4 through 6, where uh, the not only the people of Israel, but also the people who came out with them, the Bible describes them as rabble, just throwing that out there, didn't have time to get into that yesterday. But they start longing for these, for meat, for fish, for leeks and onions and garlic, this food of Egypt. This, this comfort that they found while in bondage. Right. 
And we, we kind of went from there. We, we use that to challenge some of the things that we use for comfort as well. Even, you know, angels created by God for God. And part of that is to help us. Mm. So angels are a help from God in our lives. Right. They are a blessing to us. But the writer of Hebrews is saying, you're looking for comfort in the wrong place. You're not looking for the wrong thing. It's a big point right there. You're not looking for the wrong thing. You're just looking in the wrong place. Hmm. Got a new Indiana Jones movie coming out. You know, it's Indy. They're digging in the wrong place. You know, it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> you're just looking in the wrong place. So, yeah. well, that's such an important aspect because, you know, I want to be comfortable. You know, mm-hmm. and, and really, I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to old things that make me comfortable, even my relationship with God, you know, rather than seeking him, I've sought those old things and put them back into my lives. Kind of what we were sharing about is, um, you know, we go back to those things and for for the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, they would, you know, automatically go back to what they grew up with all their lives mm-hmm. as a comforting thing to them. The salsa, the sacrifices, the, you know, hey, I not the idolatry of angels, but in magnifying them and saying, hey, they're going to protect you and calling upon those things right there. So I think those are really important aspects. And, you know, one thing that we discussed about was looking today about you know, where do we get our comforts and, and worshiping comfort rather than the creator? But let's, before we go there, I'd like to to kind of get an idea of what stood out for everybody here. What stood out to you yesterday, Sean? Yeah, I think it's just that idea of the comfort. Um, you know, I'm, I've, I'm prone to that a lot where, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm doing good at this walk. And then uh, some a bump in the road happens. I'm like, mm, I didn't like that. I think I'm just going to go play video games or I'm going to go, go watch TV or I'm going to go, you know, do something else that is pulling me away from that, you know? Um, so I think that really stuck out to me. Awesome. Thomas, what about you, brother? Uh, I really enjoyed the, the chain analogy that you had when you brought, uh, Kelly up front yeah. and sort of started wrapping him up in the, the side note. Apolo- hold on, hold on to that thought. Apologies to Kelly. Um, because <laughs> the person that I had planned and asked, to do that, help me with that illustration. I looked out and they weren't there. Oh. Like I was getting ready to do that illustration. I looked out and they weren't there and I was like panicking. And I was like, yeah, Kelly, there's a guy. Come here. And he was like, I mean, just the look. I mean, yeah, it's just like funny. Yeah. Anyhow, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, it just seemed like a powerful analogy in general. It seemed to hit a lot of people. And that's always just a nice thing to sort of, yeah. sort of see. Um, you know, you were talking about how we get chained up with addictions and sin and stresses with life and anxieties and all this kind of stuff and the only one that can free us from those chains is christ mm-hmm. you know we try to find comfort in those other things um but it's not like you know the the sermon wasn't hey you gotta you know you'll try to find comfort in these things that's not gonna work amen it's <laughs> like there is an alternative yeah. and it works yeah. like that and that alternative is jesus now it's not necessarily going to be easy or comfortable all the time or happy because i think you said uh uh, goodness or comfort or good things of God don't always line up with our definition of good yeah, things. Absolutely. You know, the, um, you know, like the the, the old uh, Genesis fifty thing. The you meant this or you meant this for evil. God is able to use it for good. Yeah. Um, something around there is what stood out to me. All, all of these kind of things. <laughs> it was a powerful and now you know. He, 
people were clapping at yeah. the end, of, you know, and that was awesome right there. When those chains fell off of Kelly, I mean, they you got, to, you know, clapping right yeah. there. So that definitely was a powerful moment for me too. just realizing, you know, hey, when you're seeking God first, those things can go away from you because we'll wrap ourselves up in anything other than yeah. God at some time. So I think that was great. Let's uh, there was a passage that we discussed um, from Colossians. Uh, chapter three, that was actually Sean read in the morning time yesterday uh, to start off. And I thought that was a great passage to kind of take a look at where our mindset is and how we can make idols. You know, we often think of, uh, you know, idols of Asherah poles or things that they did in the past. But uh, you were sharing, hey, uh, this right here can be your idol. You know, we look at it a thousand times a day. I don't know how many times, but, you know, people can worship this uh, rather than God or we can find any comfort. So whatever it is, I don't want to say anything in particular, but we, 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 I don't want you to think that's a pole that we're worshiping some kind of, you know, snake on a stick or something like that. It's just, you know, we tend to put other things in front of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, We'll have Sean read that passage. I guess this is my morning for apologies, you know, apologizing to Kelly for, and, um, but there was, there was a moment yesterday morning that, uh, you know, cause I was, I'm kind of the one that puts the services together as far as who's doing what at what time and things like that. And I get up there and I'm doing the welcome and I just blank on who's coming to read scripture as I had asked him to read scripture. I, have you ever seen the Squidward gif? To wherever he just pulls open his head and sets his brain out and down and then just walks away. That is exactly what happened to me yesterday morning. I was just like, and I looked at Kennedy and I was like, who did I ask to do this again? And she's like, Sean, like, oh yeah, that guy that's here every day. Yeah. So one of my, one of my favorite little moments of that is you were clearly panicking because at the end afterwards, you did this little like wave. I don't know if you've seen it in the recording. If I can find it, I'm going to put it up here just to have, but you just did this little Yep. <laughs> my, my little awkward acknowledgement of your pastor's a moron. Yeah. And I realized that. That's great. That's great. Uh, those are the best moments, right? That's what makes us uh, hey, makes us here. I am who I am, man. First thing there, I thought you were going to just call a random person up. I was like, I'm going to get out of this. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you take off and read uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 for us? Yeah. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Mm-hmm. So two sets that I saw in that. Set your heart and set your mind. I like that he uses both of those mm-hmm aspects right there you know uh, what's the difference pastor um mind is our source of knowledge heart is our source of emotions Mm. and we we look at things from our heart almost from a soul level you know that emotional uh, and and we covered this you know just a couple weeks ago that that emotions are beautiful things Mm. uh redeemable things that God has created. He wants to use, he wants to, he wants us to glorify him through our emotions, but they make terrible masters. They, they make terrible gods and they make terrible barometers as to what we need to do, how we need to live, uh, that, that internal compass type thing. Uh, that's why we have a spirit dwelling within us because if our emotions were true to guide us, then we would have no need of his Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to lead us and guide us into all truth. So when we look at things from 
the heart standpoint, you know, we, we, we've read this, that, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things. Um, you know, we read that, we read that out of Jeremiah. Uh, we, we also see that in the New Testament, I believe that um, you know, James references that, you know, the, the heart just, you know, whatever's in here is going to come out of here. Um, and we need to make sure that our heart is focused on God. But then also what we're storing in our minds. You know, Paul talks about taking every thought captive because while we, while there is a disconnect here and while they often war against each other, how beautiful is the unity of a life that is submitted to Christ that is focusing heart and head on Jesus Christ, on the things above. Uh, Sean, what do you think about the word set? What, what does that stand out to you? I think when we hear set, it's, you know, well, you're set in your ways. You're you're fixed on this position. And I think, it, like you said earlier with the, you know, with our heart and our mind, they're usually aren't connected. They're usually, you know, my head's telling me this and my heart's telling me this, you know, right. there's always this separation that we get set in our ways of, okay, my heart's going to tell me one thing, my head's going to tell me a different, but here it's set your heart and your mind together. They should be both set, you know, feet together, facing God with God in our mind, with God in our heart. And I think that's just so powerful because there's a lot of times where it's like, you know, my, my heart's telling me to follow God, but my head's telling me, you know, this is the path of least resistance, but you know, which one do you choose? Obviously you want you, I would love to say that I always choose my heart and go with God, but you know, there's definitely times I've chosen passive least resistance, you know, just crank, crank that way, you know? So I think this is interesting because it's telling you, okay, let's just take the path of least resistance out of the way. Let's focus on this. man. Thomas, looking at uh, this aspect from a youth minister, what do you think about, you know, when you're talking, how, how would you explain this to youth to set something? I, I actually really like what you were just saying there, Sean, like this idea of um, both being in unison, I think is really important because we do always tend to pick one over the other. Like, I think young people are pretty susceptible to the idea of follow your heart Mm. and this idea of like, well, I feel like this is right. And usually whenever we're chatting with our youth, um, you know, we we get into discussions of things that are maybe controversial or sort of uh, theologically uh, rocky ground or whatever it might be. And whenever a young person says, well, I feel like God would dot, dot, dot. I usually try to stop them there. And it's like, that's a really bad place to start. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Because our feelings don't dictate God's character. Um, uh, but on the flip side, you, like I think knowledge can be a complete idol as well. Like you know, we, we were talking about this the other day, that there are some people out there who are fantastic theologians and that's all we know about them. (laughs) Like they're smart. They know things about the Bible, but sometimes they're just grouchy, grumpy people. And and Pharisees were amazing theologians of their day as well. They were. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, like just having knowledge and knowing uh, head knowledge about God's character is useless. Mm. And just having some emotions built up is also useless. So you kind of have to have both simultaneously. Yeah. If you one without the other is just not going to work. And I think I think you need both. 
Amen. I think that's a great uh, aspect because when we look at those things, Jesus, when he was asked what's the greatest commandment, he said that you should love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The unity that comes from there. You know, I was teaching my daughter, we're going through a little catechism, and, you know, so she's like, you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and then she goes like this, you know, your strength. And, and I think that... You know, because oftentimes we come to this word set or we, you know, we allow ourselves to get set in our ways, as Sean just shared right there, set in a bad habit, a bad, you know, something that hurts us or hurts others or is a hang up in our lives. It doesn't do any kind of glorifying to Christ. Um, With that said, let's continue with the conversation. What are things that are comforts to us that we can place in between us and God? I, I would like to defer this because I kind of talked about this a little bit in my message. Yeah. Yes, I don't mind to chime in, but I would like to hear your all's awesome. thoughts instead of hearing my voice even more. Let's start off with the Sean again. Yeah, um, I think for me it's something like video games, something I can get take my mind off of. You know, I can get get on, go brain dead for a few hours. Um, video games, TV, um, friends, you know, just anything but what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, so just anything just to distract and take my mind off whatever it is that I'm struggling with. Well, that's a, a good aspect. So, cause we want to say, I mean, are those things evil? Those things aren't, are those bad? I, I don't think they're bad if they're used correctly. I think, um, you know, if we allow those things to be put above, you know, so if I'm struggling, you know, with my walk instead of, you know, bouncing my my idea off my friend you know hey i'm struggling with this how could how should i handle this instead i go and we're like hey you know let's go let's just go play cards hang out and you know talk about anything but the bible or you know putting video games over that i don't think video games are necessarily evil you know i think god wants me to have those to you know help clear my head but when i'm struggling with something with him it's like no let's sit down and let's just face it you know let's set up and face the problem so and and this brings us to a good point uh that i'd like to when does something that's a comfort enter into a place that's idolatry thomas what do you think about Ooh. that i have no idea uh i think really now that did. the camera's on him we can all make faces <laughs> yeah. That, even though it. yeah there's it's it's a really weird balance and i don't think there's like one cookie cutter thing if that makes sense so like we when i was in college we one of our uh, tutors that came in to teach us was a Benedictine monk and led a class on worship just mm. like uh, and it was fascinating like it was a really great class and they were talking about like the their day in at the monastery that they serve at and, and live at their day was split up into four six hour sections so there was six hours of sleep six hours of worship or prayer or study six hours of work so it's like cleaning cooking whatever it might be uh, and six hours of play so just recreation time, which if they need a nap, they can take a nap. If they want to play video games, they can play video games, whatever it might be. I don't even know if they have video games in monasteries. <laughs> but um, uh, And he was saying that it was a really good balance for, for them in, in their setting. And uh, there was a few of us went and just did it for a little bit of time. And it was actually great. Now, the fun, But the funny thing is, reading and study for six hours was the hardest part. Like, th- that felt like forever. Right. Six hours of play felt too short. Right. And six hours of sleep felt too short. Right. Uh, Amen. <laughs> and, this, and, and the six hours of work also felt like that wasn't too bad. Yeah. Like, so it's weird. I think 
I, I don't think we should spend 100% of our time reading and studying, you know, because then you leave no time to do what it says <laughs> mm-hmm. or no time for enjoyment or to, to recoup. I mean, Jesus went up on the mountain frequently. He went out for dinner, you know, with people. I mean, we have lots of stories of him talking about, you know, theology or 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 him himself while he had dinner, but he still did fun stuff. You know, um, he went to weddings and parties. He wasn't even planning on doing a miracle when he was at a wedding. He was just enjoying himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I think there has to be a balance. Um, you know, I think we we I was talking about this with our college group uh, a couple of weeks ago. We do a bad job of telling young Christians, "Don't go party. You should just stay home and read and pray instead." It's like that's not even comparable. Like, what? <laughs> like you make it sound like you can't have fun in a Christian community. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, don't go to that party, but why don't you find you get a Christian group of friends, go do something fun. Like, fun is not a problem, mm-hmm. um, you know. But uh, and then young people are like, well, I'm not going to just sit home and read my Bible when everyone else is out having fun. So I think we do a bad job of leaving no alternative in Christian life other than reading and prayer. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great point uh, because we have to look at, you know, and I love that you said there's no cookie cutter. Mm. You know, when Jesus came and did miracles, sometimes he spit in people's eyes. Sometimes they go wash in the pool of Siloam. We don't sometimes, recommend that. So, you know, <laughs> just uh, whatever, in general, we yeah. don't because you know, I love that he didn't do the exact same thing every time. Yeah, because if he would, then we'd all be spitting in people's we eyes. We would develop right? the yeah. formula for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And so there's just no formula because God doesn't, you know, it's it's. It's people. God is worried, you know, about hearts. God wants our hearts and our minds to be set. And I think that's the encouragement right here. Set your heart and mind. He's going to lead us, and he'll speak to you about what's idolatry in your life, you know. And are you placing that? If you And you'll feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit. That's your coming. It's, you know, and sometimes we'll listen, and sometimes we don't. You know, like you said, so I don't always listen. I don't always pay attention to what God's telling me. And sometimes I do fall into that place where I'm seeking things, seeking the creature, rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You know I mean? That's where it just comes down to it. We often get off track. And I think that's where the writer of Hebrews saying, hey, get back on track, get back on track. Can I, can I share an area here real quick? I know I deferred, but there's, there's one that personally that I didn't share yesterday that, that I I believe the Holy Spirit's really been convicting me on is the idol of mindlessness. Mm -hmm. You know, we even, we, we talk about it a lot. Um, and, and true, what Thomas was saying, 100% accurate. You know, Jesus detached. Jesus had fun. Jesus had relationship. Jesus ate. You know, I mean, he did all that. Jesus took naps. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, but the one indication that we're not given is that Jesus ever went to a mindless state. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think to me, mindlessness, especially coming out of the pandemic, has been an idol in my life that... I just want to detach. Nothing wrong with detaching. But what am I doing while I'm detached? Am, am I just, you know, our, our, our social media, um, you know, we're, we're looking for something to fill us. Um, you know, that comfort food, that good to me, but not necessarily good for me. There's, right. there's a reason social media, tr- you know, threads are called feeds. Um, you know, we, we feed off of them, but they're not necessarily good for us. Um but whether it's watching a show or just having something in the background, just sitting in silence, just scrolling through my phone, it just, this mindlessness state is something that I'm seeing in my life. I'm going, what am I doing with this time? Hmm. 
It's like I can detach and still focus time and energy in my mind and my heart on the things above, on Christ. But yet it's almost like we're seeking out this mindlessness. And and it, I'm, I'm being really challenged by it. And that's just something you know that I'm dealing with personally of just this time that I'm exalting that I just want to be mindless for a moment. Right. And I don't know if that's right. Anytime that we take God out of the if we compartmentalize and take God, God should be involved in every aspect yeah. of our lives. Yeah. Paul said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. He didn't say, hold on, wait, there's five things you can't do that God can't be part of. He said, whatever you do, it all to the glory of yeah. God. And I think that's yeah. when we start getting out of the place, that becomes the idol. Yeah. So uh, let's do some takeaways. We'll go right around. Of course, I'm going to pick on Thomas right here because he always likes when I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Takeaway, brother. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really like that mindlessness thing. It's definitely getting the brain turning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this idea of like, yeah, just like uh, one thing I've been talking with one of our students about a lot is this, uh, you know, the taking captive every thought, mm-hmm. which we usually use when we're talking about temptation. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's necessarily just temptation to sin, but maybe just temptation to not think (laughs) about. And I think in ministry, it's also pretty hard because it's like our nine to five is study and sermon prep and reading the Bible or serving in some ways. So it can be really easy, I think, in ministry to when we step outside of that, we're like the last thing I want to do is think about God because <laughs> that's what I have to do mm-hmm. in my nine to five. And usually it's just an analytical thinking. It's not, it's a, what's the best way to write this sermon where it's effective and, and, but also, you know, correct to scripture and all this kind of stuff. And that can be exhausting. And then you walk away and you're like, you know, Bible study becomes work. And that's a really hard one to detach yourself from, um, where mindlessness becomes really appealing. Um, so I think that's kind of where, where my mind's sort of going is, is, uh, uh, Take not necessarily just taking captive every thought, but taking captive every moment, hmm. making sure that it's it's being used wisely. Whether that's for my own um, mental health of you know getting making sure that I'm rested enough, healthy enough, all these kinds of things to 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 keep doing what I'm doing. Like some people can work their butts off nonstop and and be effective that whole time. Other people need more rest and and. You know, I find if I do 78 hours a week, I'm far less effective than I would be at 50 because right. <laughs> I just become a zombie and mindless and, and stuff like that. So making sure that I'm using my time wisely. And when I say wisely, I mean like not mindlessness, mm-hmm. um, I think is kind of where my brain's sort of going right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, I'll go myself and then we'll Sean and then we'll uh, end up with the pastor on the last. Um, to me, takeaway would be a word of encouragement, you know, in the midst of dealing with our sinful nature that we have, we go through times where, hey, we're going to fall, you know, if we're not sinless and we want to continue, the word of encouragement for me is just continue to see God's face, continue to fall in love with him, you know, until he, he gets to that place where he becomes all, all in all, you know, and it's a process, you know, if, hey, I'm not perfect, Paul said, I've not yet attained, I'm not already perfect, but I press on, and that's why just with my word of encouragement, press on, yeah. press on for the things of God, because there's a mark calling for us, and don't get discouraged if you have some struggles in your life, we all do hurts, habits, and hangups. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, um, just to bounce off that, the 
the thing that stuck out to me from I'm this is from yesterday um was the um oh how often do we actually pray for just the presence of God instead of just we all pray for these aspects we want this we want this we want this but we never we never pray for all of it and that really got me actually to yesterday I was, I've been trying to journal more and I was like I know I've been asking you for one thing but I just want all of you mm-hmm. and that you know that really convicted me yesterday I was like wow that that's something I struggle with you know is the oh I want this I want this but not that you know so yeah good stuff Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You do not love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works that you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. This is written to the church at Ephesus. If you read the book of Ephesians, it's one of the most amazing books in the Bible to me. Mm. And I really feel personally, as well as congregationally, that we are truly at a place of God's going, listen, I'm, I'm liking what you're doing. I love that you do this and this and this. But we've got to challenge our love. Mm. We've got to challenge what we're focused on. We've got to challenge what we are setting our hearts towards. Amen. And that, that's that's just what the challenge is to me right now. Powerful, powerful. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, we want to say thank you for joining us today. And again, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and hit the like button. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write them. And we encourage you, if you have a need, reach out to us. You can reach us at FCCGrayson.com or you can look us up online. Give us a call. If you don't have a home church, we would love for you to come and partake in this home church so we can grow together in the grace of God. Thank you. Uh, let's close out with the word of prayer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Pastor, would you close out? I'd love to. Father, thank you for this time together again of being able to be in your word, to talk amongst each other, uh, to share what's on our hearts, what you're stirring within us, and to share what you're revealing in your word. God, I pray that this uh, discussion helps to spur us on uh, to greater depths in your presence. And I pray that for anyone listening or watching this, that it would do the same. Because, God, it's all about drawing closer to you and being deeper in your presence. In your name, amen. Amen.